Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're doing terrific on this last day of the month of May, Wednesday, May 31st, the year 2023. The most unrecognizable coach in the SEC leads the most reason when it comes to the debate over eight or nine games in the SEC football schedule where the national championship coaches just hem and haw and won't make a stand. Uh, we'll have the latest report from Destin along with many other topics today. And we're so glad you're with us. My main man, James Mesh, back in the producer's chair in the master control suite inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily Construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles. We use the internet, so we're streaming everywhere. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on and watch us because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, the countdown to the NCAA Baseball Regional in Baton Rouge is um, rapidly development. Tickets going, going, gone. As LSU, with the number five ranked RPI, welcomes in Oregon State. At number 37, Sam Houston State at number 70, and Tulane at number 157. You look at the numbers, and it's easy to see that this is a favorable draw for LSU, the number five national seed overall as well. Um, so there you go. We'll see what happens. Along those lines, Tulane, of course, is a story that's is very unique. They're 19 and 40, a squad that got hot, won their conference tournament to secure a tournament berth, but with a pitching staff with the highest ERA in Tulane baseball history. Sam Houston comes in with the best batting average at 320. LSU as a team is batting 311, Oregon State batting 290, and Tulane batting 2. 50. Sam Houston stats the best in the WAC. Remember, they used to be in the Southland Conference. Then they moved on to what they thought were greener pastures. The Bearcats are at the top 10 in the nation in batting average, lead the WAC in batting average, slugging percentage, on-base percentage, runs scored, hits, RBIs, and doubles. The WAC ain't the SEC. It's all I am saying. So, um, LSU scores more runs. They hit more home runs than any team in their regional. They um, have the lowest ERA in the regional, 4.64. Oregon State right behind them at 
7.65. Tulane at 7.00. Yes, indeed. So we're getting close, getting close to it. We will uh, talk in hour number two to Mark Etheridge um, from D1 Baseball. And we'll talk about the Tigers regional with Tulane. We'll talk about UL heading to Miami and what's, uh, I think, from a name perspective, one of the tougher regionals out there with Miami, Texas, and UL in that one. And we'll talk about Nichols uh, as they're in the tournament as well since they won the regular season and the conference tournament of the Southland Conference. So there you go. Um SEC meetings underway in Destin with the NIL and SEC scheduling being the major topics amongst coaches. Um, Scott Woodward went on a national radio show, stated that he and LSU are in favor of a nine-game conference schedule. Brian Kelly said, yes, we want to play the best. We want to be with the best. We want to give the fans the best. Thank you so much. I'm tired of these rental wins. Tickets cost too much. The day is too long. The parking is horrendous. The traffic is even worse. Give the fans good games. Give them good games. TV demands great matchups. They're paying so much money to these schools. These coaches that are scared to death of losing their job because the schedule is going from eight games to nine games, and heaven forbid, they may not win six games and be bowl eligible. Whoa, my goodness gracious sakes alive you can't take the heat man get out the kitchen um my buddy ross dellinger of sports illustrated in a, a round robin report with with uh, reporters brian asked brian kelly if he'd like to see lsu and alabama play every season and of course brian kelly said heck yeah Presidents and athletic directors are meeting again this afternoon. They'll continue those meetings through the week before any decision is made about the SEC's future schedules. One thing that people are talking about, and we'll talk with Scott Rabelais here in just a few minutes, uh, who, who is in Destin, to cover these spring meetings for the advocate. You got a lot of games under contractual bid. It's like baseball, uh, football is the only one that does this advanced scheduling years down the road. Um, basketball, baseballs, they, they're, they're still working on schedules here and now for next year. Football's got it all lined up. So they've got contracts signed, and some of these schools are counting on this $1 million, million, million and a half dollar payoff to come play against a team like an LSU. So we've got some legal ramifications on this as we are 95 days away from the LSU football season. So we may only have an eight-game schedule in 2024, and then they may go to nine in 2025, or maybe they'll go to nine and vote on that and make it happen. But they're going to go to nine games. They got to. Television's going to demand it, plain and simple. Plain and simple. Um, so we'll, we'll continue with that. Speaking of LSU football, the home opener and the first Southeastern Conference game in 2023 now have their kickoff times, and their television network assignments. It was announced today that LSU will host Grambling State at 6.30 p.m. on September the 9th. The Tigers' first ever game against Grambling can be streamed through ESPN+. Plus. All right, ESPN+. Plus. LSU will face Mississippi State a week later in Starkville 
That's an 11 a.m. kickoff in Starkville. The SEC opener airs on ESPN. Don't forget, coming at the end of uh, this month, uh, the game will switch over to ESPN 1037 and ESPN 1041. So um, we'll have all these games for you as well. So with that news, LSU has the kickoff times in place for the first three weeks of the season. We all know by now the highly anticipated Labor Day matchup. That's Sunday against Florida State at 6.30 p.m. in Orlando, Florida, and that game will be televised on ABC. So we know all of those situations. Um, Meanwhile, um, the Raging Cajuns have their schedule uh, their their times uh, and dates announced for some of their games as well. And um, a much-anticipated uh, second season for Coach Desimo as, um, you know, it's uh, big shoes he had to step into, trying to figure out how to get uh, uh, succeed Billy Napier. Uh, but five UL games have uh, been recognized. Here we go with their kickoff times. Um, and here we are. Uh, the two biggest non-conference games and the Sun Belt opener have been announced. Um, let's see. So the Raging Cajuns' first three games of the season will be night games before their marquee Power 5 road trip to Minnesota on September 30th with an 11 a.m. kickoff on that date. So, with that in mind, UL opens the 2023 college football season September 2nd at Cajun Field against Northwestern State, 6.30 p.m. That game will be streamed on ESPN+. It's not it's conference opener at Old Dominion the following week, September 9th, will be a 5 p.m. kickoff, and that will be streamed on ESPN+, as well. The Cajuns' trip to UAB September 16th will be streamed on ESPN+, and start at 6 p.m. A Sunbelt staple, Louisiana's lone Thursday night game this season. It's rivalry showdown versus Southern Miss at home. will kick off at 6.30 p.m. and will air on ESPNU. Start times for the remaining seven games for the Cajuns will be announced at a later date. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, our guest list, Scott Rabelais from Destin. Glenn West will join us. We'll talk about uh, this Baton Rouge regional. Uh, LSU will play host to a regional for the first time since 2019. So uh, LSU back to where they belong with that. Um, The Saints uh, in more OTAs, but news off the field. uh, They have parted ways with Ryan Herman who is the top analytics researcher in the club's personnel department. Herman's contract was not renewed after six seasons as the Saints head of football research and strategy. Um, it's he, he, you know, he worked at Miami. He was uh, good friends with, uh, with Dolphins general manager, Jeff Ireland, who's now the Saints assistant general manager. That's how he got the gig. But, um, the the old uh, death knell came from former head coach Sean Payton. 
the Saints took an old school approach to football research. Were were slow to embrace the analytics wave that swept the NFL a little more than a decade a decade ago. Herman was the Saints' first staffer to have analytics as the main focus of his job. But Peyton recently said that the analytics department with his new team, the Denver Broncos, was on a different level than the one he had in New Orleans. Quote, it's pretty impressive, and it's new for me in a good way. I'm talking about the efficiency of the process. We weren't as far ahead in New Orleans when we were looking at some of these players as to being able to pick up and access the information as quickly. Huh. Soon as he said that, Mr. Herman, done. And the Saints have already begun interviewing candidates to fill Herman's role. So, um, yeah, Sean Payton making his presence felt uh, still uh, through that. Saints general manager Mickey Loomis said that Cam Newton, Cam Newton, Cam Jordan will definitely be a New Orleans Saint for the duration of his career, which is a good thing. We'll also talk with Christian Clark in hour number two at around 3.30. The, the Pelicans uh, plan to restructure their player care and performance team after their injury-marred 2022-2023 season. This is yet another peace offering to Zion Williamson. They're doing everything they can to make him happy. Those are some of your headlines of the day. Uh, very busy Wednesday. We're so glad you're with us. Let's have some fun. We're here from 2 to 4 each and every day on the game. When we return, we'll head to the sunny beaches of Sandestin, the very latest from the SEC Spring Meetings. Next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, the Fending World Series champs starting to warm up. You can see them live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Usain takes on Cincinnati Saturday, June 17th. You can be there. Register in the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, hotel accommodations. That's Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways. Powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. All right, let's head to the sunny beaches of Destin, Florida, where the SEC spring meetings are taking place. The pools are full. The beach umbrellas are out. Scott Rabelais has a lot of sunscreen on, and he is there to report things for the advocate. And we're at NOLA.com, and we're thankful for that. Scott, good afternoon, sir. Day three of these meetings. How are you? Hey, Jordy. I'm doing well, though. I've, I've been mostly in basements and lobbies uh, so far. There's not much need of sunscreen just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good thing. Um, okay, so topic du jour, the eight-game versus the nine-game scheduling debate. Where are we on this last day of May? Is there? I don't see any smoke coming out of the chimney at this point in time. So what's going on? Yeah, you've got your, you've got your 
schools that are firmly in the nine-game camp, and LSU is one of those uh, for the 24 season. Uh, you have schools that are firmly in the eight-game camp, and you have schools that are on the fence, which is leading to more possibility, I, w- I certainly would say, of uh, some kind of uh, compromise schedule or bridge schedule, as Brian Kelly has described it, where maybe they they go with something for a year or two and then try to work on a more long-term schedule format a, a little bit down the road. They don't have to pick something. You know, this new ESPN, ABC, Disney TV contract starts in 2024 uh, for 10 years, and uh, you don't have to – the SEC doesn't have to pick a – a schedule format to match that, you know, that length of time, they can go with something a lot shorter. And, and if they're so hamstrung on trying to pick something, maybe that is what we're going to see. Uh, but uh, uh, last I heard it's looking a little more, a little more likely there'll be some kind of vote to do something uh, th- this week, uh, but they don't have to do that either. So it's a lot of unknowns yeah. and a lot of back and forth. And what you hear one minute can change an hour later or two hours later, and it just it just uh, has been one of the more fluid things. And, and they've been talking about this for a long time, since almost two years since Texas and Oklahoma announced they were coming. Now, what seemed to be the biggest – I would think everyone – well, I would think everybody would want a nine-game schedule. I think television would want nine. I think if the SEC wants to increase their uh, money take from the network, um, that they would – the network would say, we'll give you more money, but we want more games. What is the, what is the sticking point with those that want to stay with the eight-game model? Yeah, some schools like uh, Mississippi State and you would think Vanderbilt, South Carolina, I've heard, that want to stick with eight games because they're, one of their big things is not about contending for the national championship. Oh, yeah, LSU goes in every year. Hey, can, can they win the national championship? Can they win it? So there are schools that are just their big concern is you know getting to six wins so they're bowl eligible. That's a big that's a big deal, and you play four non conference games that you know most of them are, that you can win. <laughs> you know you, you win three out of four of those, and then you win then you win three games in conference, and you're at least and you're in a bowl game, and that's a big deal for some of these schools. So is the revenue of having that extra home game. Uh, for the schools that want want nine, it's like like LSU. It's like let's play one less one of those you know rental wins you know for lack of a better right. term, you know because the, the the attendance has been has grown so poor for these games and no one wants to see them you know and and, right. and, and imagine a school like Texas coming into the SEC they're also for nine games uh, I'm told Texas best you know mar- marquee. Conference game in the Big 12 is Oklahoma, which is played in Dallas every year. Their home schedule is Texas Tech and Iowa State and uh, and 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 you know Kansas, you know, or something like that. Yes. It's not very exciting. So those right, schools, right. you know, want want more uh, more good games. There's uh, also the the money part. You mentioned ESPN and the TV contract. The, the TV contract was was it was agreed to in 2020, a year before roughly. Uh, right. Texas and OU announced they were coming to the SEC. ESPN is not contractually obligated to give the SEC more money automatically just because Texas and OU are coming. The SEC would like more money. They say, hey, we're not yeah. adding North Texas and and uh, Coastal Carolina here. We're adding two marquee programs, you know, Texas and OU. And uh, 
but yeah, ESPN is going through some belt tightening. Yeah, they're laying off people. They're trying to shave five and a half billion dollars off their bottom line in terms of uh, uh, payroll and, and and stuff like that. So maybe it doesn't look good. I'm sure it doesn't look good for ESPN to give the SEC more money now. Maybe that's why a bridge schedule, as Brian Kelly called it, makes makes uh, makes more sense. Yeah, uh, Scott Rabelais, uh, the advocate in Destin, Florida. Oh, I thought Alabama was head set nine games. In fact, I think they wanted to play 10 SEC games until word got out what their permanent matchups might be in a nine-game schedule. And now Nick Saban is not planting his flag at the top of the Matterhorn. He's he's kind of being wishy-washy. Now Now I'm here. They're, they're back to wanting the eight-game model. Yeah, Nick has in the past come out for for at least nine games. And now he's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not happy with having to play Auburn every year, obviously, and Tennessee, almost as obviously, and LSU. Um, uh, five years ago, he probably wouldn't have complained that much, you know, right. about having to play those those teams. Uh, with Tennessee being down, you know, the Alabama won. They beat them every year. Saban's been there until last season. And now they look like more of a threat. So, uh, you know, I, I just hope, Jordy, uh, not most of all maybe, but one of the things I personally hope, is that the SEC does not allow itself to be dictated by just what Alabama wants. You know, that's not good for the SEC. It wasn't good for the Big 12 to let Texas dictate so much of what it wanted. Uh, And and you see, you know, now the Big 12 is scrambling to stay alive, you know, with Texas and OU leaving. Uh, And it led to Texas A&M leaving. Um, So I I just hope it's not going to be just, what do you want, Alabama? The rest of us will will figure it out. I hope hope that's not the case. Look, you're going to play... Whatever model you have, whether it's a nine-game model with three permanent opponents and six rotating opponents, or an eight-game model with one permanent opponent and seven rotating opponents, you're going to play everyone within three or four years anyway. So just mm-hmm. get get on with it. And the, the expanded college football playoff, yeah, last year, if you go by last year's rankings, there were three SEC teams in the top six. You're going to have at least three SEC teams, maybe four, maybe five, in a 12-team playoff, which also starts in 24 uh, every year anyway. So you're not going to have to go. You can afford to have a couple of losses and still make the playoff. And exactly. So I, I think it's better to take the big picture. But, of course, everyone is thinking, you know, for, looking out for their best interests, and I can see why that's the case as well. I'm just curious. If they went to the seven rotating and one permanent schedule, who would LSU's one permanent team be, in your opinion? Uh, I, I'm told it will be Texas A&M. Uh, if it's if it's three permanents with a nine-game schedule, it will be Alabama, Ole Miss, and A&M. And with a with a with a with a one permanent and seven rotating opponents, it would still be Texas A&M. Like Texas and OU apparently still want to play each other every year in Dallas, okay. so that that negates the idea of Texas and Texas A&M playing on an annual basis. And then LSU doesn't have anybody else except for maybe Arkansas who doesn't have someone else they'd rather play. You know, that, that's always been LSU's yeah. problem, Jordy, as you know. Alabama and Auburn have each other. Ole Miss and Miss State right. have each other. Uh, yeah. Texas A&M has had Texas. Of course, they haven't played since, since Texas A&M left uh, the Big 12. But uh, yeah. that, that's a game that, that could happen. And in a... In a um, in, in, a, in a, the 3-6 format with the nine games, maybe that game replaces the LSU game as the, the Thanksgiving weekend game. You know, they, they used to play on Thanksgiving Day, uh, uh, Texas and Texas A&M. So, but, yeah, it, it, it would apparently be the Aggies who, uh, who uh, like I said, you would think they'd play Texas every year, but apparently that, that is not what those schools are, are angling for. 
Scott, I, I know the scheduling thing is one of the major topics, but there's so many other things. This NIL deal, the gambling situation now, the SEC may, may uh, they're calling the SEC now, the NFL right now with the, the way things are going. Are we, are we overlooking other major things besides this scheduling conflict? Well, the scheduling thing is, is you know, the, most, the biggest concrete issue, but they're also dealing with other more existential issues like, like gambling. Obviously, we've seen the Alabama baseball uh, yep. uh, gambling scandal that started with the, the, the unusual bets being placed during the LSU series. And uh, they're, uh, they, they've brought in this guy from U.S. Integrity. U.S. Integrity is the firm that alerted the Ohio gambling uh, um, uh, oversight right. people into the unusual bets in the first place. So they're, they're trying to mm. ramp up the education and the uh, the, 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 the oversight that, that occurs within the SEC. You have coaches talking about, uh, with, with the transfer portal, about uh, tampering. You know, the, 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 you know, they, they feel like there are some coaches, of course no one wants to name names you know, publicly, but <laughs> that some coaches are, are using third parties to try to get kids to transfer. Shane Beamer, I just heard Shane Beamer from South Carolina said, we had four players who were pretty, pretty big contributors to our team, and all of a sudden they're the transfer portal. You know, that, that seems kind of strange. You know? So, um, you know, you know this kind of thing is going on. So that, that's a big deal. And, of course, um, one of the things that uh, they've been looking into with the SEC is uh, fans rushing the field and, and courts. Yeah. You know, are they going to have more stringent, you know, more, you know, more severe penalties uh, yeah, the, this working group they came up with, one thing they mentioned that, that obviously got a lot of headlines was that the, a school could lose a home game. I don't see them doing that. I don't no see way. people rushing the field at LSU for the Alabama game, and then LSU's got to play the next three years Alabama. Yeah. I don't see that, that happening. It's no. just worth too much money. No. But no. what they're doing now is not a deterrent either. So they got to come up with something. So, yeah, there, there are a lot of other issues. Uh, obviously, the uh, – the scheduling thing has taken most of the oxygen out of the room, but it's a big, it's a big deal. I mean, you, you know, these, these games mean a lot to people and, and people want to, want to see the traditional rivalries, but they also want to see some new blood. Georgia has never played at Texas A&M, Jordy, since, since wow. A&M joined the league. That, that's ridiculous. That's I mean, crazy. You know, this, this has got to change. Yeah. Yeah. I know the only way you can stop LSU students from rushing the field at the five minute mark of the fourth quarter, free drinks in Tigerland. They'll go. They're gone, and then there goes your uh, there goes your stampeding of the field. I know LSU wouldn't like that because they want fans to stay there for the duration. But what do you do? Lower nets? I, don't, I mean, come on. I, I mean, I, I've been to like an English soccer game, and they have they, these fans are fenced off. You know, I mean, they're literally fenced off, <laughs> and, and you're like. You know, you build um, a moat. I mean, you know, what do you, you, you don't want to be too draconian. And then you're talking about students, Jordy, too. Someone mentioned that to me yesterday. Said, you know, you know, fans are one thing, like like supporters of an English soccer club. But these are a lot of these are students rushing the field, and and you're talking about some you know rights and things that I don't think schools want to get tangled up with. So it's a, it's a difficult problem. I'm I'm very curious to see what solution they come up with. Anything I haven't heard anything yet, but but uh, uh, if they come up with something, because they they clearly think what they're doing now, you know, penalizing the schools up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars is not enough. No kid nothing. is thinking about when he's thinking about running down on the field. Oh, my school is going to have to pay a lot of money if I do this. I mean, no one's That's thinking. Right. Well, it's it's television's fault. They see these teams. They 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 put it on the screen. Everybody's rushing the field and. Fans and other go, man, that looks like fun. Let's do that. And now it's not even for a championship. It's not even for a, 
a big win. It's just any kind of win. Let's go storm the field. It's it's out of control. It's crazy. Um, anyway, I hope you get around to golfing or do something fun. Um, and and man, maybe maybe you can shoot me a text and tell me what Matt McMahon's up to. And because basketball's involved in this thing as well. Um, they but, are uh, yeah, always a fun time yet, there. Always I'm, I'm looking curious. <laughs> we'll let you go. Go ahead and do we think we we look forward to reading all your articles in the Advocate. And thanks for spending some time with us, man. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Jordy. Anytime. Okay, buddy. You take care. Scott Rabelais of The Advocate. So still, no answer. This thing goes through Friday. Maybe we'll have an answer by then. We'll take a time out here when we come back. Glenn West, go to 47 Sports, LSU Regional. Talk about that and more next. This is the Jordy Holdberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game has a brand new app. It's now your one-stop shop for all things the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana sports station. Download the free mobile app today from your Apple or Android device. Just search the game Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are. You can listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And it's 38 minutes after the hour. Welcome back on this last day of May, the 31st of May. I often wonder how our next guest, uh, if he had been back, back in the time machine, back into the 76 through 80 era, how he would have reported about my game. Anyway, I'll never know. But Glenn West from Go247 Sports is with us. Glenn, good afternoon. Good afternoon. What I've I probably would have reported more on the hair than the game, right? I mean, I heard no, the game, the was, game legendary. was The hair was great, but the game was better. You'd have liked it. But you're a bit, you're an inside guy, and I just I stayed away from all that. <laughs> anyway, anyhow. You know, I, I just got off the phone with Scott Rabelais and Destin about this SEC um spring meetings and the scheduling. I always remember as a player, I never wanted to play cupcake games. I always wanted to play against the best teams. Your fans don't want to see cupcake games. The the LSU football player, they don't want to play those teams. They want to play really good games. I, I don't understand why. I know coaches are paranoid and oh, we got to get to six wins and and get to a get. Now it's not the um, it, it's now called the Pop Tart Bowl. It's not the <laughs> Tostitos or whatever it is, it's it's yeah. the Pop Tart Bowl. What are you? Are you kidding me? Yeah, look, and and I think you make a, a good point there. And the messaging out of LSU from everybody, from athletic director Scott Woodward all the yeah. way down to the head coach Brian Kelly, they've been very consistent in that they want this nine game schedule. They want to play uh, the best of the best, and um, you know they they've been very public about those opinions. And uh, I think it's uh, a feeling shared by I think just about half of the SEC teams that are currently um, on board uh, in the conference right now. So, yeah, I mean, look, you're going to have, you know, a couple naysayers in there that are 
going to want to push their own agendas. And it's just going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I don't expect um, that they they'll, they'll have a concrete decision in place from everything that I've read and heard. Uh, It sounds like, you know, a nine game schedule as early as 2024 is going to be a a bit of a pipe dream at this point uh, because there's so many differing opinions. So uh, maybe you see a temporary eight-game schedule for the next right. couple of years, and then you transition into nine games a little further down the line. That's just too much money, and and LSU doesn't want to see a stadium three quarters empty by the start of the third quarter. Yeah, with yeah, look, that are, and that's a terrible sign. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you, you got you got four non-conference games as it is. You know, I think three is plenty, especially for LSU who who likes to schedule. Uh, you know, some, some more difficult opponents in the first game of the year. Historically, they've done right. they've done that in the last 10 to 15 years and, and no better example than playing a team like Florida State uh, this year and last year. Um, but there's some logistics that I think still needs to be worked out. LSU is one of the few teams that I think right now that would be able to to handle right. a nine game schedule. I think there's a no lot contracts. of contracts. Yeah, none, yeah. none of those non-conference contract signs. So there's no legal issue there. Right, right. And I think a lot of the other programs around the SEC have signed contracts with other programs uh, that, you know, right now it w- would keep them from being in a nine-game schedule. So that's always stuff that you have to hammer out. And, 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 you know, look, a lot of those teams that sign up for those non-conference games, that's a big chunk of what they make during the, the football season. You know, like the, for example, the Grambling game earlier this year for LSU, that's a big moneymaker for Grambling no uh, to play that game. So uh, I think that, you know, there's there's just a lot of considerations that need to be taken into account. Certainly the TV aspect of things as well. I don't think ESPN has presented the SEC with a concrete, okay, this is what we're going to be uh, given the SEC for a nine-game schedule, I think the initial contract was for eight games. So that's still stuff that needs to be hashed out and part of the yeah. conversations that are going on this week. I'm with you. In my perfect world, you play a 10-game SEC schedule. You play one made for television. I know this will never happen, yeah. but as a fan, you play one like you're gonna uh, gonna play against Florida State, and then each year you help a school in the state. You help a Grambling State. You help a uh, whoever else it is, uh, Southeastern yeah. or whatever. Um, and you do it that way. That, that, that's what I would like. That'll never happen. But um, nine games, it just doesn't make sense not to do it in my book. But anyway, enough of that. Um, forgot that LSU hadn't hosted a regional in baseball since 2019. My yeah. goodness gracious. Um, Tulane sneaks in by winning there. It's like a basketball team that gets hot at the right time and wins their conference tournament. So you got Tulane at two o'clock. Jake Johnson's not going to pitch Paul Skeens on Friday. No way. Who does he pitch? Yeah, I I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he goes with Paul Skeens on Friday. With that being said, you know as much as I know that you know those NCAA tournaments for basketball are historic for upsets, and you never want to catch a team that's playing their best at that time so i don't think lsu is going to be overlooking this Tulane team at all jay johnson talked at length about them um earlier this week when we got a chance to talk to him um they they are preparing full 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 throttle for this game they they absolutely understand that there's going to be probably some Tulane fans in the mix too it's not a very long drive for Tulane fans to get up there and to support their 19 and 40 team i mean it's crazy it would make it would make their decade to oh, yeah. LSU in this oh, type yeah. of scenario. Oh yeah, especially with how hyped up and how well LSU's played for most of the year. 
I'm leaning right now towards Thatcher Hurd. I think that's the guy uh, that you throw on Friday against the Green Wave. I think they they set up their pitching very um, deliberately last week in Hoover just to yeah. see kind of what that structure would look like with saving Paul Skeens for that second game against a two or a three seed. Um, and, and Thatcher delivered. I thought he pitched very well last he re- week. He really did. And he's yeah. had some really good games, you know, the last several, you know, several weeks. And so I, I think that's probably the the area that you're, you're going to see LSU throw him in. Pitch him five innings and then come in yeah. with Etheridge again. He was, I mean, that righty-lefty combo was really, really good. The thing I'm curious, you're playing in a tournament. Um, had to be something wrong with Tommy White other than he needed rest. That didn't make any sense to me. You read between the tea leaves, please. Yeah, I think you can read between the tea leaves a little bit. He wasn't even dressed for the game. So, um, you know, if, if it was a minor injury, maybe he still would have dressed and they could have gotten him a pinch hit. Um, I don't have anything concrete on what actually happened, but, uh, you know, you, you, you can kind of read between the tea leaves if he, the, for the fact that he wasn't in uniform yeah. uh, for that game. And so, and, and Jay Johnson said he's fine, he's going to play. Uh, this weekend and and certainly going to be full full go. So, um, you know, you, you you wonder if it was a team violation or something small yeah, like it that. Be, yeah. it, it, it it's, could be something. Yeah, it, it, it could yeah. be something like that. I don't think if it was an injury, uh, it, it's anything major, and he should be good to go uh, for for this weekend. Which um, and boy, sure sets up. I know you got to play the game, and you don't play the game on paper, but boy, it it. It looks awfully favorable. If LSU plays their best, I'd be shocked if they don't get to Omaha with who they play here and who they're teamed up with for a super regional. I'd be really surprised. Yeah, I I would be too. And I think the one pushback you have to have there is that LSU hasn't been playing its best the last several weeks. I think you can certainly make the argument that since the Auburn series, the Mississippi State series, uh, Georgia and the SEC tournament, uh, it has not been the the LSU team that we had come to know for several, you know, a good portion for the 12 weeks that LSU was number one in the country, for example. I mean, they were really, really clicking on all cylinders there to start the year. Uh, I think you've seen a little bit of a dip in terms of offensive consistency. They've had some great individual performances, but what made the offense so great for most of the year was that they were able to back it up night in and night out. And um, I think that has been a little bit of a struggle. I think these eight days are going to be great for the players, going to be great for this team to kind of lock in and reload. Um, And and I think it was probably a blessing in disguise that they went home uh, relatively early in Hoover. It always always is. I'm telling you, those players need a break. I'm with you 100%. Glenn West, go to four seven sports. Tell me, tell me, please, that Damian Collins is going to play like he did in high school as the as the All American from the state of Texas. Rather than I don't know what happened to him at Kentucky, other than the fact that they always got thoroughbreds everywhere. But yeah. um, sure would be great. Big, ho- hopefully, it's a great pickup. Yeah, it sure would be great. I mean, look, I, I've done a little bit of research now on Collins. It's been a couple of weeks since he uh, committed to the program. Um, really, I, I think the biggest thing that LSU was looking for in the portal after they got that initial wave of guys uh, was somebody who they think can affect the rim on both ends. And I think he's a guy that uh, is super athletic. You know, he's not very strong in the upper body, and I think that's probably one area that he needs to certainly work on this offseason uh, but he can affect shots at the rim, and he can and can certainly block shots. I think he had over 30 blocks uh, in his season last year, and he only played about eight minutes a game 
uh, for Kentucky last year. So that's actually right. pretty good numbers in terms of your your how many blocks he's getting. Right. So um, yeah, look, I I think it was a great pickup. You know, you don't usually get the five star former five star commits. Right. You know, at this latest stage in the off season. Um, but we had heard even after uh, they had signed or uh, uh, gotten the commitment from Hunter Dean, uh, which technically put them over their limit. Uh, for scholarship players, that they were still going to be looking around. And so uh, the fact, I think the fact that you now have this guy in here, Collins, who can really round out the front court with an athletic guy who can run the floor. He's going to be great in transition for Jalen Cook and for a lot of these guards. Um, and, and, and he's going to have more opportunity here than he probably had at Kentucky the last couple oh, of years. Yeah. So it's a good move. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, for sure. So anybody that can affect the rim, they got bigger. I think they got more athletic. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the question is always, can they blend? Can they mesh? Can Matt and his staff work that thing where I everybody's think, on board? I think they address the offense this offseason yeah. very well. I think they have a really skilled big in Will Baker who's going to be able to give you a lot of what K.J. Williams gave you last year in the post. And um, and, and, and even a, as an outside shooter, I think they'll ask him to shoot more from the outside. Jalen Cook, I think, is – head and shoulders above any guard that you had last year in terms of creation and getting other guys involved. So that should really, really help your half court offense a lot. Um, and then Jordan Wright is a very veteran savvy SEC player. Um, and, and Carlos Stewart's another guy who I think LSU is really high on in terms of the way he can affect scoring as well. So they, they did a bang up job, I think, of addressing some of their biggest issues in the, in the portal. I know they'll be both mentally and physically tougher than they were a year ago. Um, Wright and Cook bring that to the table in spades. Uh, they had one kid that tested the NBA draft waters, the big seven-footer. Yeah. Yeah. He, he decided, nope, nope, uh, not ready. I'm not ready to take on Victor Wembayana just yet, so I'm going to come to LSU. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would probably venture on that side too and not want to <laughs> test him next year either. So, yeah, and you actually you know who was uh, Wembanyama's teammate over in France this year was Tremont Waters. He was his point no guard. Yeah, yeah. He was his point guard for the Metropolitans '92. So, oh, I got to get him on board, and we got to get the scouting report on this dude. Yeah, we'll see if he. I think he's probably trying to make a, a comeback to the NBA. He was in it for a couple of years, but uh, he's been overseas the last couple and playing with Victor. So that that'd be cool. That'd be interesting. What what spot did uh, Waters play? Because when Bayana rebounds it, he brings it up the court as a point There's, guard. He, I mean, what is Tremont? Throw it to me for a three. There's a great picture. I don't. I think it's on the USA Today Network of Wembenyama standing next to five foot ten Tremont Waters. I mean, it, it's a it's a great picture. You got to go look it up after this. I will. I will. Yes, I will those, those guys up. had a lot of fun. I think. Well, thanks for the heads up. We usually get you on a Monday. We had a holiday, but we appreciate your time today. Nice haircut, by the way. Thank you oh, so thanks. much. Thank keep, you. Keep looking sharp, big fella. And, Will do. Uh, you would have written good things about me. I have no doubt about it. Glenn West, yeah, 247 absolutely. Sports. Thank you, buddy. All right. Thanks, Jordy. <laughs> Take care. All right. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And some of our great partners like ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. And if you can't shop right at a ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. Period. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and 
Permanent Fat Reduction, Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger I think you'll ever taste. And by Cajun Chef. Do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, a quick wrap-up of hour number one. We were talking some hoops with uh, Glenn West. Apparently, Javon Quinterly is going to return to Alabama men's basketball team for a sixth season. So, um, <laughs> it's a good league in basketball as well. It is just good across the board. We'll talk um, NCAA regional baseball play with Mark Etheridge from D1 Baseball coming up at the top of the hour. And some changes are coming to the Pelicans, all slanted toward, God, let's keep Zion healthy somehow, some way with Christian Clark. Our number two straight ahead, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champs, the Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour two of two, and away we go on this Wednesday, May 31st, the year 2023. Um, my main man, James Mesh, inside the EBCO Development Studios in the producer's chair. EBCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ 1041 Lake Charles, streaming everywhere. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We begin our number two talking NCAA Regional Tournament Baseball. If you watch the SEC tournament, hey, this guy was everywhere. He was a star of stage and screen from D1 Baseball, our friend, friend of our program, and we're most appreciative to get Mark Etheridge back on uh, the line with us. Mark, good afternoon. It's like Christmas comes in yeah. June for you, right? Yeah, it is. There's so much, so many good games going on, so many good storylines. I mean, it's hard to even know where to put your attention on. There's just so many places we can go. How do you rate the, the Baton Rouge Regional with LSU, the number one two seed, Oregon State, number yeah. two, Sam Houston, number three, and Tulane, who – got hot at the right time at 19 and 40 and wins their conference tournament as the number four seed. How do you rate that overall? Um, you know, it's all about matchups. And, and I do feel that LSU got a pretty good matchup based on the teams that they got. Uh, Oregon State's a club that 
Uh, they lost their ace, and they give up 27 runs and two losses in the Pac-12 tournament. That is not a good sign as you head into the postseason. However, you know you know how it is. A lot of times you get that early exit, you come home, you kind of reset, and, and you get some guys some rest, and you figure, figure it out. So that that's kind of the, the story there. I think you know Texas Tech's a team that has some talent. I, I think we kind of think they're underachieved a little bit, so – that's a scary team. You remember how Ole Miss did last year? Three yeah. seed comes in. Nobody's expecting a whole lot out of them. Out of them, they have talent and they get on a roll. And then I think the thing with with Tulane is they've been they certainly have underachieved. This is not a team that we expected to lose forty games this year. They they were expected to be at least middle of the pack, maybe even one of the best teams in their league. And and it's just been a it's been a problem right all year. Well. They they got some things figured out. They got hot at the at the right time, and they got an improbable conference tournament win. So they'll come in with a lot of confidence. Certainly, they'll be fired up to get to play, get to play in Alex Box. So I, I think yeah. it's a it's it's basically one of the one of those dream moments, right? That when your your team is playing terrible and you you you, you hold out hope, and then all of a sudden good things happen. And now here you are, you're living the fairy tale. Mark, do you think I believe this is when college baseball coaches earn their keep when it comes to getting to a regional? Now, how do you roll the dice? Because everybody's saying, well, LSU's not going to pitch their ace against Tulane, but you don't want to give the opponent any extra juice, and you don't want to have your team go, huh, okay, well, we're not pitching our best, so we can beat this team with our third pick. You know what I'm saying? It's a it's a it's a fine line that you walk here. Yeah, and every situation is different because we've all seen the situation where uh, a team holds their ace and they lose, and everybody goes, aha, you should have yeah. thrown your ace. Well, you, you don't yeah. know that ahead of time because a lot of teams have held their ace and, and it helped them in that next game. To Because really the, the key is you want to win the first two games to stay right. in that winner's bracket and not play the extra game. So whatever is the best matchup to maximize your chances to win those first two, I think that the the thing to consider with LSU is the last four weeks, they've lost two out of three in three of those weeks. So you're not coming right. in with a lot of momentum. So I do think that that you need a good start. You don't want to go really deep into your bullpen, whether you use Skeens or whether you use Floyd, I think, the, or Hurd, you know, any of the candidates. You need six, seven innings and and keep that bullpen fresh for the rest of the tournament. We're talking with Mark Etheridge, D1 Baseball. One regional has got two teams that won 40 games, and 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 the third team is a marquee that has won several national championships, and that's the the Coral Gables Regional, hosted by Miami. Miami's 40 and 19, the one seed. Texas, what a pedigree, 38 and 20, and the Raging Cajuns are 40 and 22. On paper, that looks like one of the tougher regionals out there. Certainly, it, it, it does. Um, you know, the thing about the Cajuns, they played really well towards the end of the year. They had a tough deal going to Southern Miss and talking about a team playing well. Southern Miss has, has really found yeah. something. So losing yeah. to them is, is, is certainly uh, not, not a negative. Um, to be able to roll through that loser's bracket and, and win games and, and get all the way to the final – they were one of the teams really on the bubble, and we didn't know if they were going to get in or not. And then they they get the nod primarily thanks to the way they finished and just a strong Sun Belt. It was a fifth-rated RPI conference, one of the best yeah. in the in the country. Um, 
and and they're in. They're battle tested. They're going to get get to play a Texas club that's kind of been up and down, but very talented, uh, pitching pitching heavy kind of club. And in Miami, one of the they're one of the these teams that kind of found some stuff late. They made it all the way to the ACC tournament final. They knocked off number one Wake Forest in the process. Um, just a, a team that's that's had a, a few ups and downs, but but is playing their best ball at the right time of the year, which is which is what we're all aiming for. It, uh, did the committee do a disservice to the number one seed overall in Wake Forest, forty-seven and ten? They've got Maryland from the same conference at forty-one and nineteen, playing with them. Northeastern is forty-four and fourteen. Um, if I'm Wake Forest, I'm going. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Pre- appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know Maryland. Maryland's a conference champion, won the Big Ten this year. I think that they're one of the better, better, better two seeds from a potential standpoint. And Northeastern is one of these clubs as a three seed that they they went they went on the road. They played a lot of tough competition and did well against it. Which you know a lot of these mid majors play play tough teams and don't do so well. Well, Northeastern did well, so. Those are two clubs that are not going to be worried going in to, to Winston-Salem to play the top-ranked Wake Forest club. And keep in mind that the last three number one overall seeds have lost in the Super Regionals. None have made it to Omaha. And so they would be paired with the Tuscaloosa Regional, where you know, you've know got Alabama, uh, you have Boston College, who was one of those uh, snub host teams that felt like they should have hosted, and also a Troy club from the Sun Belt who's – you had a, a strong year, so it will be really interesting. Alabama's kind of, you know, that's fascinating because of the all the the scandal that went on, the loss right, of coach, right. and they've really played better since then, man. It's it, it's been a it's 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 been kind of a cool story to watch because they're an older team, they have some talent, and I'll tell you what, in Hoover this week, coaches opposing coaches were just coming up unsolicited, just raving about how well and how much improved. Alabama is and how much they like that club. So that would be a team I would keep my eye on. The SEC tournament showed, I mean, there's so many good teams, so many dramatic finishes. What a week it was. Ten teams get invited, eight teams. Half the bracket is hosting. If LSU is successful and wins their regional, they're matched up in the Lexington regional, hosted by Kentucky. You've got Kentucky, I think a really good West Virginia team, Indiana and Ball State. What's your synopsis of that bracket? Yeah, West Virginia was a team two, three weeks ago. They were in our top eight when we projected regionals. I mean, that's how high they were. And they've struggled some down the stretch. They got swept at Texas. And they, they uh, I think they went 0-2 in the Big 12 tournament. So mm-hmm. they went from, you know, the highest of highs to not even hosting. So that, But then, two weeks ago, right, that's all the, all the difference is. So, very challenging number two seed. And, I mean, the three-seed Indiana has been solid all year, too. I mean, they've been a more consistent kind of club without the highs and lows that we talked about with other clubs. So, with Kentucky, uh, they've even got a tough four. Ball State's got a guy, you know, an ace. So, that that's always you have to worry about that in that opener. Some of these teams you don't really know about, you're, they can be really challenging, you know, based on who they have on the mound. Kentucky's an older team, I, I think, you know, they really fight you. They play hard. They play uh, an aggressive style offensively. So we'll see how that how that uh, 
transitions yeah. to the postseason because it, the SEC, you don't really see a lot of teams that play that way, where nationally you do, right? So I, I do think that, right. that that's a, another fascinating storyline to watch. Mark Etheridge with us. I did some research. Um, when the MLB draft rolls around in June, the first two names called, uh, at, at least there's a strong possibility, will be Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens from LSU. Go back to the first Major League Baseball draft in 1965. Rick Monday was selected number one overall. Four days later, he led Arizona State to the College World Series championship with a win over Ohio State. 58 years later, Monday is still the only player to ever win a College World Series title and go number one overall in the same year. I'm not trying to scare LSU fans off, but it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, yeah that, that's, a, that's a good note. You know, for a long time, college guys didn't go first. You know, it was kind of a rarity. You'd have high school players because they were younger That's and right. more upside. That's so right. So it's all. But the, the college game has changed so much. The best players, unless you're just going to make just crazy money out of high school, you're going to college. And the game yeah. is much better for it. And I, I guess the other thing I'd point out is a lot of players who are, you know, juniors this year will get a chance to sign. But if the money's not there, because of NIL, they can come back and they're not just paying to go to school. They're coming back and they can receive money and stay in school. So it, the game has certainly changed. And, and I think it, the result of that is you're going to have more opportunities for teams like, or for, excuse me, for players like, like a Cruz, like a Schemes, a Tommy White, those kinds of players. Uh, you're going to see more at, at that level come to college as opposed to, to go straight out of high school, maybe take less money out of high school, and bounce around the minor leagues. I mean, you look at some of these stadiums. Vanderbilt announced they're going to renovate their stadium. Uh, It looks amazing. Um, So it's it's everywhere you look. It's an arms race in college baseball, and everybody is is putting their best foot forward to bring in the best coaches, the best players, fans, you you name it. Uh, The SEC is where it's at right now for college baseball. You know, everybody talks about um, teams moving from one conference to another. Well, the SEC has 10 out of 14 teams in the tournament. Uh, oh, by the way, Oklahoma and Texas uh, in the Big 12, they're in the tournament as well. So if you add it all up, that would be 12 out of 16. Uh, that, what an unbelievable baseball field this is. Then you talk about softball. Oklahoma is the greatest of the greats. They're, I mean, it's crazy what baseball and softball are going to be like in the SEC in the years to come. Yeah, you know, everyone talks about football, and that drives the boat. But some of these other sports are going to be even more powerful compared to their I'm peers. I mean, it's, it's a consolidation of power, there's no doubt. Um, of the 10 teams, let's, let's just take a stab in the dark. We're not going to hold you to it, but, um, when the dust settles after this weekend, how many SEC teams do you think will still be, uh, in the tournament? That's a good question. I think, you know, I really like Florida, Arkansas and LSU's matchups. I think Vanderbilt's got a really good shot to advance. Um, I like Alabama. I I think Auburn may have a little trouble with Southern Miss. That would be be one I would be concerned about. Kentucky may have some trouble in West Virginia. But what but a two seed that I really like is Texas A and M. They're they're at Stanford. They're good. Yeah. The way A and M played this weekend now, they have not pitched that way all year. They, they they've hit really well. They just hadn't had enough pitching and boy did they figure right. it out this weekend. 
or, or, or last week in Hoover, if they pitch that way, they can beat anybody, right? They can make it to Omaha. And I guess the other one to think about was Tennessee's one of the most talented teams in the nation, great pitching staff. They got a rough draw. They're going to Clemson, who hasn't lost, I think it's, what, 15 games in a row or something like that. They just – they've that's a really difficult draw. But that will be a great – if you want to watch a, a college baseball game Saturday night, Clemson and Tennessee should be – that should be as good as it gets because you're going to have Chase awesome. Dolander, who's going to be one of the top ten picks against that Clemson offense. It, it should be high drama. Well, according to my counting, um, roughly six out of ten should be um, playing in super regional play. And then uh, if that's the case, then maybe more. We'll yeah. see what goes. Maybe more. Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, we didn't talk about South Carolina. They're a team that a lot of people think they shouldn't host uh, because of the way they finished down the stretch. And they have a really tough Campbell club, not to mention NC State is there, who's really talented. I kind of think South Carolina is going to regroup. You know, they've heard all week about, you know, how, how bad they are and how they're not deserving and all that. Um, I just kind of feel like they're going to prove some doubters wrong this week. And I, I, I can see – I mean, I can see a path for, for eight, you know. Okay. Uh, eight out that of the ten advancing. And I, I mean, really there's a path for all of them, but that's just – that's not realistic, <laughs> I don't think. But you know, I, I do but... think I do think you're going to have – some really good matchups in the Supers, and you could have some SEC teams, as you mentioned, LSU and Kentucky. You could have South Carolina, Florida uh, teams yeah. matching up with each other. So you're guaranteed a, uh, another team in Omaha that way. Were you pleased so much based upon the RPI this year? I thought they were going to get away from all that, but it was it was very heavily weighed mm-hmm. on the RPI. Did you like that? Do you? Did, well, how does this feel I set know. up for you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean – I, none of the none of the picks were just egregious. Okay, so it's okay. it's a beauty pageant when you get to the end. But there were some I definitely disagreed with. One of the one of the areas where I did is is there were teams that played each other. They're in the same conference, and the team that did better in conference and won the head to head had a worse RPI because they didn't mm-hmm. do as much in non conference. And they took the loser of the head-to-head, the loser of the conference standings, because they they had a better non-conference schedule. Now, how I see that is you use the RPI when you don't have common opponents, when you you didn't play head-to-head. A team out west and a team in the south with no common opponents, it's really hard to tell, right? You need a way to tell who, who's the better because, because your schedules are so different. And that's where the RPI can be useful. But when you're in the same conference and you play all these games against the same teams, you have a pretty good idea which one's better. And, and that, that's the part that, you know, to me, they're over-reliant on the RPI. It has its place, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't just be the, the, the top, yeah. Um, yeah. top priority regardless of the situation, and that's what it sure appeared to be. I am with you 100%. Shout out to the Sun Belt Conference, who got four teams, Coastal Carolina, the Raging Cajuns, Southern Miss, and Troy. One more than the Power Five Big Ten. And it's weird, Mark Etheridge, to not have USC and UCLA in the NCAA tournament yeah. in baseball. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that, those are two teams that you know traditionally have been strong usc had some down years they got a new coach and they were they were a lot better this year I, we actually thought they would make the field 
And yeah. like one of the examples we talked about, Arizona, who finished five games behind them in the conference, uh, mm. got a bid because they have a better RPI, and and USC got left out. So it's, one last it, question. It's going to be – yeah, go ahead. One last question. In the Baton Rouge Regional, who's the better team, Oregon State or Sam Houston State? Well, the Oregon State's had the better season, but the way they're struggling on the mound right now, I might pick Sam Houston. Uh, I think they may okay. win that opener, um, which, you know, they're playing better at the moment. You, you just wonder okay. about the talent level. Oregon State does have, on paper, the, the, the better talent, but they're not playing better at the moment. And, and that's, you know, it's a big part. Who's confident, who's able to gel, and, and who can step up and give you that big pitching performance? Because that's what Oregon State needs because they just didn't get it down the stretch. That might be a fun one for LSU fans that stick around and watch game two of the Baton Rouge Regional. Mark Etheridge, D1, where are you, where are you heading to, big guy? Yeah, I'm, I'm home this weekend. I've got some family stuff going on. So I'm doing the command center deal where you set up all there the you go. games and you – talk about them and keep, keep everybody posted what's going on, but we'll have people from D one all over I mean, pretty much everywhere this weekend. It's absolutely it's, it's our time of year. <laughs> yep. Y- y'all do a hell of a job. I can't thank you enough for your time. I know you're busy, but uh, thanks for uh, informing and entertaining us. We greatly appreciate it. Enjoy. Enjoy Christmas in June, Mark Etheridge. You got it, man. Enjoy the ball game. Take care, buddy. Always fun. Thank you so very much. Mark Etheridge, D1 Baseball. So, Tigers, Cajuns, Greenies, and the Colonels, four from the state of Louisiana in the field of 64. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more uh, after this and these messages. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. All right, now, I've been reading this every day. So, come on, step up, guys. If your man cave's not the way you want it, here, listen to me carefully. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up. All right? It's the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You got a chance to win a brand new recliner, a stretch out from Bordelon's Furniture, a big flat screen TV from AVI. Come on and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, we're back 24, 25 minutes after the hour. Um, Saints, another OTA uh, session. And um, we... We talked about a couple of things. The Saints have signed a tight end by the name of Jesse James, not the guy that robbed banks back in the day in the old, old West, but Jesse James um, signs with the Saints. So uh, another camp body to see who can solidify uh, that position because Saints don't, you know, Jawan Johnson's there. Um, and, they need some help, 
right? They need some help there. So uh, Jesse James um, played with the Chicago Bears, played with the Detroit Lions. Um, let's see. I'm looking at him up right now. He played college football at Penn State, drafted by the Steelers in the fifth round of the 2015 NFL draft. He played for the Lions, the Bears, and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, six foot seven inches tall. So, um, from a stats perspective, eh, you know, six, seven, two sixty one, and um, eight years of experience. So we'll see if he can make a difference uh, along the lines and and become uh, Derek Carr friendly favorite um, in this one. Um, Derek Carr's doing everything, everything you could ask under the sun. Um, and then some. So, you know, we talked about Demario Davis and JT Gray being there yesterday. A bunch of players missed out, and I understand the veterans. They don't need to be there. They just don't. Um, but it's important that your quarterback is there, and it's important that your wide receivers are there. So um, if you're healthy and able to go, you need to be there and and work. Um and work and great to see Foster Moreau back at it yet again. So um, we'll, we'll talk more about the Saints and their um, OTAs tomorrow uh, on the program. We'll get Chris Roseverglue on talk about that. Uh, speaking of wide receivers, we talked about a little bit Rashid Shahid um, impressing people left and right day in and day out, putting in the time, putting in the work and making plays when it counts. And, you know, it's like you, you practice like you play, they say, right? And so far he is practicing lights out. Um, so Saints feel pretty good. They've got to feel good about him. They know what they have in Chris Olave. Of course, it, they know what they had in Michael Thomas. Is he ever going to get back to that? Who knows? Who knows? Because so many question marks, so many question marks, and you just don't know uh, what what's going to happen along those lines. Um, so, so we'll see. We'll see. Bill Belichick has taken the blame for the New England Patriots OTA violation. Um, the NFL has taken away two organized team activities from the ball club um, and um, Bill Belichick backed assistant coach Joe Judge for his role in the violation that led to the team being punished. The violation was a result of coaches scheduling that resulted in players spending more time than their allowed time at the team facility. Okay. Jeez. Unbelievable. Um, the result of special teams workshops led by judge so Judge trying to impress Bill Belichick, working them hard and keeping them late, and you can't do that. You can't do that. So two days of OTAs. Wow. For the infraction, Belichick was fined $50,000 by the NFL, and they stripped the team of an organized team activity earlier this week, May 25th, and then yesterday, May 30th. The team was back on the field Wednesday, um, and all Belichick would say was, well, uh, we had a very good long weekend off, plain and simple. So there you go. Um, 
Other than that, all's quiet on the Western Front when it comes to the NFL. Now, across the street from the New Orleans Saints, there are changes a-coming to the New Orleans Pelicans. And we'll explain when we talk to beat writer Christian Clark next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is your home for the McNeese Coaches Show. Presented by Mr. Bill's Seafood Express, Southwest Beverage Company, line a bit out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Tune in tonight starting at 6 for the final McNeese Coaches Show of the season as host Jim Gazzola will be talking with new men's basketball coach Will Wade. You can hear it all right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the McNeese Coaches Show. Download the free game mobile app from either Android or Apple services so you can take the Blonde Bomber with you always. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back at 35 minutes after the hour. Tomorrow we'll start the long-awaited journey to the NBA Finals between the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. Game one and two in Denver. All the other teams are trying to get to that point, including the New Orleans Pelicans. And one thing I can say about David Griffin and his uh, executive tenure, uh, he's not afraid to make changes. And according to our next guest, it sounds like some restructuring is about to happen when it comes to player care and performance team. Christian Clark wrote the article for NOLA.com, and he joins us now to explain um this story and more christian thanks for the time buddy how you holding up hey man i'm i'm doing well just uh enjoying these playoffs and i'm really looking forward to this this finals matchup the nuggets were my uh pick in the west coming into the season i did not have the heat i'll admit i did not have yeah. the heat going to the finals i didn't either before they both play a good brand of basketball different ways but when it comes to offense, boy, the ball moves, the player moves. There's no ISO. There's no pounded, 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 pounded. I just love how they they care, and their best players love to share the basketball, and that makes for for beautiful offense in my book. Yeah, I I, I really enjoy watching both of these teams play. I mean, I'm a person who likes to to watch the ball move around a little bit. I mean, I think Jokic yeah. is my favorite player in the NBA to watch, and and Jimmy Butler's up there too. I mean, they're like. They're incredible players that I think about the right thing. So whoever wins, I think I'll be fine with it. I'm with you. Whether fair or unfair, uh, Christian Clark of NOLA.com, the narrative for the Pelicans, they can't keep their players healthy. A toe contusion. What? 29 games. Zion's, what, played 118 games in four years. The narrative is there, fair or unfair. And I remember when they hired Aaron Nelson, who was like the miracle worker for Phoenix, now, there, apparently some changes are coming. Is Aaron Nelson the scapegoat here? Yeah, like, I think this is a, a pretty huge story just because, I mean, D David Griffin, you know, I mean, basically the first thing he did when he got this job was 
go get Aaron Nelson. Now he paid yes. Aaron Nelson a, a lot of money to come in and, and take charge of the player care and performance team. He empowered him um, by all accounts. Aaron Nelson was one of the most powerful people in the organization. And I think, you know, this, this story still has, there's, it's still going to play out, but I think at minimum we can say that Aaron Nelson will, his power will at minimum be reduced next year. I, I, I think it will probably be a different title, um, you know, assuming he's back. Maybe there's someone else at the top of the player care and, and performance team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this was a really well-respected guy who had a, a long run with the Phoenix Suns, um, and it has just not gone well in, in New Orleans. And, and it didn't go well right from the jump. I mean, him and Zion Williamson kind of started clashing within months of working together. And, you know, I, I think with the way the season went, that kind of prompted this change. And I think you can debate whether it's fair or not. And yeah, I'm with you. This is a big, big deal. I mean, um, and it seems to me that here the organization once again is reaching out to try to help Zion Williamson. They're, they're, they're doing everything they can to show this young man, we want to help you. Um, now, Zion has to help himself, right? But they're trying everything they can to help this generational type of a player because, I mean, when you miss as many games as he has, you got to do something. Change, ha- change was inevitable. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, I'm, I'm looking at this as they're exhausting every possible option to make things work with Zion Williamson as mm-hmm. as he's about to head into year one of the five-year extension he signed last summer. Um, it, it, you know, like, Zion hated the, the cautious way the Pelicans brought him back from that torn meniscus during his rookie year. The Pelicans put a six- to eight-week timetable on his return to play. It took him 13 weeks to get back on the court. Three separate times it's taken Zion longer than expected to, to get back in the court. Um, I think in all three of those instances, he has wanted to play, and the Pelicans have said, like, we don't think you're ready to play. I mean, we don't think you're in as good of condition as you should be. We don't think you were diligent during the rehab process. And I think that's kind of been, like, the central – one of the central tensions – in the relationship between Zion and the Pelicans. Uh, but yeah, I just look at this as like, all right, we're going to, we're going to give Zion no excuses, you know, as, as he heads into this long deal he signed last summer. I think Christian, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was this 29 games missed by Brandon Ingram for a toe contusion. I, I, I think people within the organization were looking like, well, dude, I mean, What's up with that? And the frustration was evident. I, yeah, I, I reported at the time in January that there was frustration about the amount of time it took Brandon to get back in the court. People did not want to hear it at the time. And, I mean, it was spot on and it was accurate. And it ended up being a huge yep. story that, that we're seeing some of the ripple effects now. Um, you know, Brandon kicked the back of a Memphis Grizzlies player's foot, Dylan Brooks, in November. At the time, the Pelicans said he was day-to-day. He underwent medical imaging. Uh, you know, toe wasn't broken. I asked Willie Green, like, right after it happened, I said, is it a sprain? He said, no, it's not a sprain. Uh, the Pelicans maintained it was simply a toe contusion, and Brandon missed two months of that injury. You know, my kind of personal read on the situation, it's like whoever is in charge of your 
hair and performance, like whatever. Like it's kind of on you as a player to play in as many games as possible if you're right. the face of the franchise. You know, it's like who cares about what else is going on? Um, so I think, like to me, that was like hugely disappointing to see from a guy who is supposed to be the face of the franchise. It gets the impression around the league, and I talk to people around the league, and they they think the Pelicans are soft. I mean, they they act like these guys don't want to play. They they'll figure out an excuse not to play, and I hate that. That can't be the case. Um, but it, but you know you don't see that with a team like Miami. So I think it starts from the top with what they call their their way that you know the the Miami Heat way and how it filters down to everybody. Those guys play. They play hard. They play hurt. They just play. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny too. I mean, like the if you look at the the games lost due to injury, the Heat like they they missed a ton of regular season games, so like they dealt with significant injury issues, and you know they they found a way to navigate through it. And yes. I, I mean, we I, we can't talk about them with also, without also saying they were like three minutes and forty five seconds away from getting eliminated in the playing tournament by the Atlanta Hawks. So it was yep. it was very close to uh, a premature ending to the Heat season. Um, but I, I agree that is one of the, the, you know, probably the main difference between like the Heat, the team like the Pelicans, is just mental resiliency. Like there's a ton of talent here. Um, yeah. But and honestly, I think like the Pelicans have great role players too. Like one of my friends at the NBA was like, I feel like the Pelicans have some of the best role players and some of the worst stars. And he didn't mean that in an, a talent way. He just meant like, man, these guys miss a ton of games and like they don't really yes. set the culture in the way you want them to and. I can't disagree with them. You can't pamper these stars. I mean, I know it's a fine line, but man, that's what makes like Jokic, who obviously um, got himself in the best shape of his life, training where he did, and now he can play forever. And then you got Jimmy Butler, who is as tough and resilient when your best players are that way. That filters down to everybody. And Miami, Tyler Hero's not even playing. And they don't miss a beat. Um, golly. And he's a really good player. But I don't get it when your your stars have to be able to be tough mentally. And I just don't see that. And I hate that. I really do. Yeah. Like, I would love to see Jimmy Butler play with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson for a oh, season just yeah. to see what he thinks. Because yeah. I think he's been a really good judge of, like, does this talented player have it or not? I mean, he yes. kind of went to Minnesota and played with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and, and quickly figured out that, like, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, these guys don't have it. Like, they just don't have yeah. it. And he was right. And he went to Philadelphia, and he played with Ben Simmons, and I think he figured out he doesn't okay. have it, and he was right. Yeah. And then he went to Miami, and he plays with a bunch of guys who, who have it, and he's been at two finals with them. It's amazing absolutely amazing uh, but but going back full circle to what you said um players have to help themselves as well all right so you you get to you know uh mr nelson who regarded as one of the best of the best now you're doing interviews who's out there and what what are the pels what are they looking for because obviously you said that zion and nelson clashed was it the fact that nelson was too too like cautious and Zion was like wanting to go. Was it, I, I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the issues was 
Zion felt like he was ready to play um, a couple of different times, and the Pelicans wouldn't let him back on the court with without hitting some some benchmarks, you know, kind of in terms of conditioning and weight and things like that. So I think that was an issue. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just think that that you know, Aaron Nelson, he was not real receptive to other opinions. Like from what I was told, it was, okay. hey, look this is how I do it. And this is how we're going to do it. And when you have success, I think that's fine. But they, they had, a, you know, like a, a bunch of failures. And I, I think, you know, when it's like, when you're kind of a highway of the highway person and you don't succeed over a four year period. Um, yeah. It, you know, it can lead to situations like the one we're in now, you know, as far as who they bring in, I don't, they don't have anybody lined up right now. And I was told, yeah. Hey, look, this is going to be a little bit of a process. Like you're, it's, just going to require patience. I got you. I'm going to read a quote from uh, David Griffin that, that you wrote in your article. It says, let's do the right things with the players who are available. Let's get those guys doing the right things every day. And let's build the right culture where we can be critical of each other in ways we need to be. I failed miserably in that. And we have to do a better job in a lot of ways. Give me the layman's version of that. Yeah, I think they, personality-wise, would love their own version of Draymond Green. Just a a guy who, you know, is honest enough and also is, like, has the resume, I guess, to, like, tell a Brandon Ingram, hey, man, like, it's unacceptable to miss 29 consecutive games with the Topers. Uh, Like, our Mm -hmm. season has gone down the drain while you've been out for two months with an injury the team has said is a minor one. Uh, hey, Zion Williamson, can you, you're a professional athlete, like making hundreds of millions of dollars in this contract. Can you like show up to your rehab on time and be diligent about that process? Um, I, I just feel like, like they want the players to hold other players accountable more often. CJ McCollum's trying to be that guy. Is he the right guy or do they need to make a trade and get somebody in here like a you know, back in the old days, uh, one of those Detroit Pistons or, or Anthony Mason, one of those kind of guys. He may not, you know, like Miami has uh, Adonis Haslam on the bench. There's a reason. He, he never plays, but boy, he holds people accountable. <laughs> I don't know what they need. I mean, find me the person who Zion is going to listen to because I haven't seen him yet. <laughs> yeah. If you know, Jeez. if you know somebody like Griff, no, no, yeah, that's that's the problem. That is the problem in a nutshell. We'll see, uh, but the changes they are coming. It's a very talented club, but I just don't know if they have that. You know, they don't have that winner's mentality yet. It's not to say they can't get it, but boy, it takes a special group. And um, you see who's still playing, and you see how they play. Uh, and uh, that that's that's beautiful basketball, man. It really is. Yeah, man. I'm 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 happy this is the finals. I mean, I, I think this is like a finals for people who who just like basketball and uh, are okay without all the BS. I mean, the, the Jokic thing has like kind of uh, exposed a lot of television media and like ESPN too. I mean, it's just been yes. pretty hilarious to see. Yes, so good. He's the most unassuming superstar out there, but I'm telling you, I'm looking at starting a franchise. I don't know. If, I don't know if you can go any better than that. The way what he does and how he controls a game, 
I don't know how you do any better than him. We'll see. Christian Clark, enjoy the finals. Thanks for the great reporting, man. And uh, we look forward to seeing how this evolves and what becomes of it. So thank you, as always. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. All right, Christian Clark, NOLA.com. Who is Zion going to answer to? That, that's that's the whole proverbial. He should have to answer to himself. That's the whole point. You set this. You're the best player. You set the standard for everyone else. That's what the great ones do. Oh, so much talent to see it just flitter away. It just, oh, it aggravates the dickens out of me. Man, 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 man. All right, we'll close up this Wednesday edition with some birthday wishes after this final timeout today. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And some of our great partners like Cajun Chef, do yourself a flavor, turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce by the Louisiana Lottery. Man, you can't win until you start playing. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches in your waist along with permanent fat reduction by DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli it's the best cheeseburger I've ever ate, ever eaten. Excuse me, ever eaten. Try it. Promise you, you're going to absolutely love it. My ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. That dryer vent gets clogged up. The one that goes outside, get it cleaned out. Save the wear and tear on your dryer. Put down on your electrical bill. It's a win-win, thanks to ducks. And finally, by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. 60 of them. In southern and central Louisiana, I say it every day, and it's so true. Dude, if you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. Period. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, welcome back all the college baseball teams uh, that aren't hosting. They're traveling. There'll be practice days tomorrow as we get closer to the start of the regionals. And tomorrow starts the NBA Finals. Cannot wait. Special thanks to our guest today, Scott Rabelais from Destin and the SEC Spring Meetings. Glenn West on all things LSU. Mark Etheridge, D1 Baseball, talking about the entirety of of the NCAA baseball tournament and Christian Clark talking about changes to the player. Um, what do you call it? Care and development or player performance and care. Uh, anyway, it's the trainers. Got to keep these players healthy. Um, if today is your birthday, May 31st, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. He helped the, uh, Aaron Rodgers win his only Super Bowl. Jordy. I love his first name. Jordy Nelson, the Packer wide receiver, is 38 years old today. And go ahead, make my day. Clint Eastwood, still working, 93 years old. What a treasure of our country. Clint Eastwood, way to go, big guy. Man, James Mesh, thank you, sir. Thank 
thanks to all of you for listening in whatever form or fashion that you do, radio, internet, television. We thank you. Partners, God, we couldn't do it without you, so thank you very much. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And heck, be happy. It works. Coming up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Until tomorrow. So long, everybody. <laughs>